Hi, and welcome to the Tough Fish Show. I'm your host, Jen Melius, and I'm so glad that you're here and can't wait to introduce to you Jody Daler. J.H. Daler is the author of The Forest Girl, her debut fantasy novel. After 18 years as a librarian, she waved goodbye to spend more time with family and focus on writing her epic fantasy series. Hiking and traveling are at the top of her to-do list, especially to ancient ruins and stunning landscapes. But she's also dedicated to the cozy life, curling up with a good book and snuggling with her two dogs. Jody lives outside of Baltimore, Maryland with her son and husband. Let's dive into the pond and meet Jody. Welcome to the Tough Fish Show. I am so excited to bring to you Jody Dollar. Jody, thank you so much for being on the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I am so glad you're here. And I would love for you to start with how did you get into writing? Oh, gosh. So <laughs> I wanted to be a writer, you know, since I was a child, since I really understood that there was a such thing as a person who wrote stories, like the stories that I read and loved, like a person actually wrote them. And so I was child talking about how I wanted to be a writer. And I dabbled in it, childhood, high school. Um, the, my book that's out right now, I started that probably in my, in my 20s, like after college and after I was finished, yeah, finished with school and started that, but worked on that off and on for years. So really forever. <laughs> well, okay. So you've brought up something that I think is a really good point to make is that it does take time to write that first book and, and to really, and, it, and it, it can be years. It could be several months. It can be, you know, a decade, it can be more, it could be really whatever it is for that writer. So would you talk about how that first book, would you talk about it? How did it come about? How did those ideas come together? What was that writing process like? So um, it's almost embarrassing how long it took me because I, I would say start to finish, like from idea to publication, probably be about 15 years. And during that time, you know, of course, life happens, like school, you know, marriage, baby, all, all of that kind of derailed me. And, and of course, you know, working a full-time job. Um, but yeah, just, I was also learning to write. So it's not just my first book. I was also learning the writing process, doing research, looking up how to best do it, taking classes, meeting people and networking. And so when you think all of, about that, you know, the my next book that I'm working on right now is going a whole lot faster because I've already learned how to write. That first one took a while because there was so much more to it. And the idea, really the character just kind of came to me fully formed. Like some people have the world first. Some people have a plot first. I had the, the main character first. And I had an idea about her culture and the world she came from, but I really had to flush that out. So she came to me first. The basic plot came to me too, but the rest of it I had to fill in as I went and what went with her. And so that's how I worked that out. And so I just, you know, once I had that germ of an idea, I just sat down and kind of flushed it out. Okay, so you've touched on a few things I would love to expound upon further. One of which is that it's character driven in that way. You knew her well enough that she 
was guiding you along, it sounds like too. Yeah. So how did that happen? How did, when, when she's fully formed and she's bumping up against things, did you write the first draft just with her in mind of, I know I'm going to have to fill in, but I just want to see where you're, where you're taking me on this journey or, you know, how did that kind of come together? So you could get that first, I'm going to call it skeleton draft, that mm -hmm. first rough draft completed. So I'm very much a plotter. I'm, I'm not a pantser in any way. So I had to sit down and outline everything and figure out where she was going because I wasn't sure where she was going. I knew her background. I knew the basic plot, but I wasn't sure how it was going to end. Um, so I really, yeah. So I sat down and outlined everything. No, I still changed things after I wrote that first draft. Then I went back and completely... You know, got rid of some chapters. I rewrote it a few times. Um, yeah, but I, I can't, yeah, I'm not one of those people who can just start writing and let it flow. I have to know where I'm going. I have to know exactly what's going to happen. And even when now, when I'm outlining chapters, I'll even make a few points. I have to hit these points. This is exactly what has to happen before I write it. Okay. So, but in doing that, it helps you to, to make sure that you're delivering in each chapter too because then yeah. you're making sure that this the chapter has purpose the scene is is appropriate it's it, you you know when you're introducing characters that you need to introduce yeah. them versus they're showing up and and some of the other characters or your readers like well who are you where did you come from you know but you're you're being conscientious and intentional with that yes so talk to me a bit more about that learning process too like you mentioned the, the courses or the, the learning, basically learning the craft, mm -hmm. what were some things that you did like to further develop that learning and how did it show up as you were getting that first draft done? Because that first draft is a difficult piece to write in the context of you have that messy middle and it's messy for a reason. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so would you talk a little bit about that? I read a lot of craft books, just, you know, Writer's Digest books, just a lot of books on crafts that really helped me with that. And I also joined a writing group so I would have alpha readers to give suggestions. And it helps to have several people look at your work and critique it. And it's especially helpful you know, when they all say the same thing, you're pretty sure they're onto something. Um, it also helps to look at other people's work because you're learning craft when you see something in someone else's work that works really well. Or if you see something that, that does confuse you, you know, you realize, oh, I don't want to make that mistake too. So just being in a group is, is very helpful and very educational. Well, and I'm also hearing a form of accountability that, you know, you're, you're also wanting to provide if, if everyone in this group is saying, hey, we're going to, everybody delivers a chapter at the next time we meet. So mm -hmm. we're all, or everybody has so many turns there, but by your turn, you know, you have to there's a form of accountability that, mm -hmm. that helps when, to your point, juggling other pieces, life, mm -hmm. job, all of that into play, it created the space to say, but this is important too, and how to yes. make time for it. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. So you mentioned alpha readers. Would you talk the difference between how you worked with alpha readers? And then I know you also work with beta readers. So would you talk a little bit about that difference and how they each helped? So your alpha readers are the people who see it 
the, 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 you're your first readers, so you might just write a rough draft or write your chapter, go over it, but it's just you at that point. Your alpha readers are the first people to look at it and make suggestions, point out errors. So they're, they're look, really looking at it with fresh eyes and then you might rework it. And then after you re, you've reworked it, after you've edited it, that's when beta readers come in. Like they're the people, you know, you're, you're a little bit more secure in the story before they look at it and, okay. and give suggestions. You still might change things, but it's just the alpha people are like, it's, it's much rougher with the alpha readers. <laughs> much rougher. I love how you said that. So this is fantasy. This is yes. epic fantasy even. So to your point about plotting, plotting really helped also because you're thinking of the world, the, the other elements that are coming into play to create this space in addition to what's going to happen to your characters and mm -hmm. what, what they're going through, their quest, if you will. Mm -hmm. So would you talk about some of the things you did to create your world itself? I took a lot of inspiration from our world and you know, ancient, uh, the ancient Mediterranean. So I describe the world as reminiscent of the ancient Mediterranean. So it's not exact, but I took a lot from ancient Rome, the ancient Middle East. Um, and really just fascinating tidbits I've learned about anthropology, about different cultures. So I really enjoyed throwing the different cultures in there. And how did you make that your own? Like, how did you take those pieces and then say, this is how I need it to show up? Like, could you describe how you've got this first draft that you've written, you're, it might not be fully fleshed out, but now we're sitting in a chapter where you know you need to add more or take away from. How did you like kind of decide when you knew you had the right amount? When the story really takes on a life of its own and you know it just works or it doesn't. So it almost, when you create the world, the world becomes real at some point. And then it's telling you what the rules are. And that's what it feels like. Sometimes the characters tell you what's going to happen. Um, and it's, you, I've even had, um, I've even plotted um, characters or, or had people do, you know, characters do certain things and they've rebelled and said, no, we're not gonna do that. And and it's it's kind of funny when that happens and you just have to listen. Sometimes you just have to listen to them like, okay, have it your way. This is what you wanna do. You're the character. Okay, I'll change the plot for you because that's what you want. Um, <laughs> and the world kind of does that too sometimes. Like sometimes the world, you know, even though I'm creating it and fleshing it out, at that point when it come becomes real, it just it just feels right. Like no, that wouldn't happen in this culture. They would do this because that that matches their their worldview. Um, so it really, it takes on a mind of its own. Actually, when I the note I wrote to myself is that you're describing the world like it's another character. And I mm -hmm. love that because yeah. it, when, when it's, when it's speaking up in a sense, it feels like it's doing that. It's saying, this is, this is how I, it's showing up, or this is what I, it would feel like. And so, mm -hmm. and the characters to your point are bumping into it and the world's mm -hmm. saying, this is how we're working though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm creating the guardrails for you guys. So this mm -hmm. is, this is what's going to sort of feel, it would feel like. Yes. How did you keep all the elements straight? I just kept everything. I wrote it all down, kept it in a Word document. And again, at a certain point when it's your world, you you just know it. So you don't have to keep referring to it. But but I, when I was just, just writing it all down, so 
sometimes. Sometimes I just write it down freehand, just on a notebook, and it helps it stick in my brain. No, but that's cool because, you know, especially when you're writing, you're writing your book and you want, don't want to, you called something one thing, you know, earlier on, and then it changes the name or if you might've forgotten it or you mm-hmm. name it or what have you. And then it's like, wait, are those the same things? Or, or did I accidentally name this one thing twice? Mm-hmm. You know, so it helps to be able to keep track of all those pieces. How did you manage the rabbit holes of research that, to your point, the anthropology, the mm-hmm. ancient Rome, ancient Egypt, to bring those, the Middle East, to bring those in so that there was some grounding, some, some pieces to play with? And how did you manage the, okay, I could keep going down this rabbit hole and research forever but that doesn't help me with my writing. <laughs> I keep doing that. Well, it's it's kind of funny that you mentioned that because there were some scenes where I did a lot of research on tracking and, and how to track in the wild. And, you know, you need to know that as an author, but I put a little bit too much of it in the story. And my alpha readers were all saying, it's like, that's interesting, but it's pulling, it's, it's taking away from the chapter. So a lot of research got cut. And I, I hear that happens to a lot of writers where you, you put, you do all this research, so you stick it in the story and it just, it's taking away. It doesn't need to be there. You need to know it, but it doesn't need to be front and center. So, so I have had that happen where I just took stuff out and keeping from like, like the military tactics that I really I had referred to that a lot. I did have that all written down, the details. That was something I had to keep going back and, and, and referring to. It's harder to remember. Um, but it, it was helpful to, again, to write it all down. So I know you're, you have a master's with library science. How did that come into play to help with the writing, help with the world building, the research? I, I, I feel like that was very instrumental. It was, well, it definitely helped with research. You know, when you're public librarians or, or researchers. Um, so that that played a part. And it played a part in just the exposure to books. And you're constantly talking to, to people about books and they're, they come in and ask for suggestions. And they tell you what they're looking for. So it's, you know, you're immersed in this world where people are always talking about books and what they like about them, what they don't like. Um, and I also had the benefit of going to library conferences and hearing authors speak. And so many of those authors would talk about their, their personal experiences, what, what writing meant to them, how they, what their methods were. So of course there was the added benefit of, of just being around authors and he- getting to hear so many of them speak about the process. I love that. I love that so much because I mean, to me, there was a blending of different loves that you had, like a, mm-hmm. obviously a researching background was, intro- mm-hmm. was a part of that, mm-hmm. but the desire to want to write, the ability to find a way to bring it all together and the ability to, to grow in that, you know, it was all of those pieces were coming into play to help create, create your book, to create this, mm-hmm. this world and you as this writer, this is awesome. I love that. I love that so much. So when you are, I know you've been working on book two or another book. Yes. What have you learned between book one and book two? Like what kind of things were, have you already started to apply? What are some things that you are curious about pushing a little bit further that maybe weren't done the first time? 
Not worrying. I think the biggest lesson is not worrying about it being perfect the first time around. I think the first time around I was, I would write chapters and stress so much about it being perfect. It's like, they're going to change it anyway. <laughs> so this time I'm writing faster and it's, again, it, it's coming more easily because I know this, it's, it is a sequel. So it's part of the series. So I know the world already. I know a lot of the characters already uh, and it just kind of flows more easily. But again, I'm not I'm not so worried about it not being right the first time or perfect the first time because it's okay. I can fix it. It doesn't need to be perfect the first time. I just need to get it down. You know, you can't edit what's not there. You have to get it on paper first. <laughs> I, I love how you said that. You, you have to have something instead mm -hmm. of this blinking cursor looking at you going, it's blinking. That's, that's great. But you need something there to physically to work with at the the permission to your point of giving yourself just get it written it's okay it's gonna change and that's okay you know i i think that that's something that we all can kind of struggle with because mm -hmm. you do there are times when you do want it to just be what you think or or what's good if it doesn't flow right then or how much of it's going to change how did you work that out then so when you realized i'm getting this down and you know what? I have to rewrite. And it's not just a matter of rewriting. I'm redirecting so much. How do you give yourself grace or permission to say, and that is still okay? That's hard. <laughs> like that, um, it's giving myself grace. It's really just pushing through. So sometimes I even, I've learned to put in brackets, like says something clever, just, you know, more description here, and then just keep going. You know, like I'll come back instead of, because I mean, I still get caught in that. And I think a lot of writers do. It's like, oh, what's another word for that? And you go and you do research and then you get stuck. So it's like, no, no, no. I'll just you know, line a dialogue here if I can't think of it and just, just keep going because it's, it's much easier to just come back later and fill that in. I love that you said that like line of dialogue is needed. Mm -hmm. And even though you don't know what that is, you are still finding a way to keep writing because mm -hmm. to your point, I could see where that could be an easy hang up in the mm -hmm. sense of saying, well, I have to know what they're going to say. Do you really, how, how did you mm -hmm. discern, how do you discern then between, I really need to know this dialogue because it's that instrumental mm -hmm. and I don't really need to know and I can keep going. Well, you could, I could even put in brackets, like the point that needs to be made, like they're talking about this. This is the result of their conversation. I might not know exactly how they word it, but this is, this is the point they're making. And that's, that's what it helps to have that outline going into the chapter. I need to know exactly, the chapter has to accomplish what it needs to accomplish. You know, this is what they're, this is what's going to happen. This is what they're going to talk about. This is what they're going to do. But I can go back, you know, if, if I'm, if I get stuck on something like, oh, wait, what's the word or what would they, how would they phrase that? Or how can I make that clever? That, that, that can come back later. I'm not, you know, don't get stuck on that. Just keep going. So a few things that are coming to me as we're in this conversation, I'm thinking what one of those is show versus tell. Mm -hmm. So again, when you are coming through this, how do you balance between how much you're going to show and, or how do you come through that when, yes, you have the world helping you, but you want your characters to be doing things and you want a certain pace. So some of the 
some of the showing is necessary and it slows things and some of the telling us is, is necessary to move things faster too. How are you striking those balances throughout all of this? Hmm. Um, I mean, there's certainly, you know, especially with fantasy or any, any story that requires a lot of world building that's not in the contemporary world and people know what the contemporary world is, you're going to have a certain amount of exposition, a certain amount of explaining um, what's going on, what the world is. It's just, that's why you know, science fiction and fantasy books are oftentimes are so much longer. Um, but you still need to show in the sense of, you know, instead of, you know, instead of saying it was cold outside, you would show the characters pulling their coats on or kicking the snow off their boots. I don't think that changes. I think that that's always there. Uh, we're saying they were angry. Well, just showing their anger, like showing them yelling or, or hitting something um, is, is best. You know, that, I think that that's with any story. Absolutely. A absolutely. So when, so we have the first character pretty developed. She's known, she's mm -hmm. speaking to you. How did you develop, go about developing your other characters, whomever they are, however, mm -hmm. Uh, the antagonist, uh, you know, another protagonist. How, how did you go about developing these other characters? I Because I knew her backstory, I, I kind of had an, an idea of who the other characters were. But with those characters, I used a more traditional method of just fleshing them out, like sitting down and just writing um, their characteristics and their qualities, you know, and the first five, you know, are pretty simple. But once you write, if you write down a bunch, if you write 20 characteristics or attributes of your characters, it's going to get a little bit more detailed. You're going to know them a little bit more when you just keep on writing. And if you know what their child was, was like. So really that's when that comes down to just the technique of, of sitting down and just writing it out and figuring out like, who is this person? And that's, that's how I got. Did characters. you do a form of like a question answer type of survey, if you will, like an interview, if you will, or? No, I just sat down and just wrote a list of characteristics. Okay. And then, you know, and, and of course I knew their backstories. I knew where, where they came from, but it's like, what, what is their personality? You know, what, do, what are their likes and dislikes? That was the part where I really just sat down and wrote it out. Yeah, yeah. And then to your point, the more you're writing and including them, the more their voice becomes mm -hmm. louder and they'll bump up against what's going on and say, that's not what I would be doing. Okay. Let, it almost feels like you are turning to this imaginary friend mm -hmm. and listening to it, talk to you again, saying, no, this is what would be happening. And so sometimes writing can feel like you're observing these characters. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you feel like you're just, you're dictating what they're telling you and you're just taking it all in that way. No, no, exactly. Like you create them, but at some point they become real. And once they become real, they're telling you what, they're running the show. They're telling you what, what need, how it needs to be. So how'd you come up with your book title name? Say, tell that, me what it is. Tell me how'd you come up with it. It's called The Forest Girl. And that coming up with the title was really hard. Like I, it was the last thing that I came up with. Some people start with the title. The title was last. I, I needed help with it. I had no idea what to call it. Um, and that is because that, that's referring to the culture of the main character. Her name is Kiri. And she, her people are called the forest people. 
And she's referred to sometimes in the book as the forest girl. So just kept it simple and went with that. How did you come about, come through the, the cover? The, I hired um, someone to, to come up with the cover. And what I did was I showed them pictures of the covers I liked and they came back and I, I gave them a description of the story and they came back with an image, which I liked. I didn't like the background. So I asked for a few changes. They came back with a few changes. It was much brighter. And that was the, the cover I went with. Um, so it was, it was a pretty simple process. I definitely recommend hiring a professional because I don't have that kind of skill to create a cover, but they created a very beautiful one. It, I, I, and I don't either. I, I, but I, to your point, the right cover with the, that aligns with the genre, that aligns with your book, it's, it does a lot of work for you. And working mm -hmm. with the right people to help you do that is going to do wonders for your book. But it, yes. it also, the first time you see that cover coming back, tell me what that felt like. Yeah, that, it makes it real. Like, oh, my book is really going to be published. Like, here's the cover. Yeah. Like before, you know, it's, it's it's just a manuscript on your computer, or even if you print it out, it's just a manuscript. When you see the cover, it's like, oh, it's getting to be a book now. Yes, I love it. I love it so, so much. As you're sharing your book and getting it out in front of more and more readers, what are ways that are working for you? Um, so I'm on TikTok. Uh, I've done some promo newsletters like Fussy Librarian, Book Doggy, and just, yeah, just doing the best I can with, with, with marketing. Tell me why you chose TikTok and how, how you're utilizing that. Because it's very big with, with writers and readers. Um, it's, it's referred to as book talk and it's huge and it's a lot of fun. So I, I was unsure at first, but I just, um, got on and and had a lot of fun with it and just met a lot of great people on book talk you know a lot of other writers are there and so it's it's sometimes it's just fun talking books and and writing with with other writers and yeah, I, I really I, I was unsure about being on camera at first I was camera shy I didn't know how to to do it but you learn you, you pick it up from other people so what tips would you have for a new writer or um, a writer who hasn't ventured into TikTok, what tips might you give them so that they can have the confidence to try it too? You don't have to post. I mean, you can go, you can join and just linger and just see other people's videos and comment on their videos. If, if you want to see what the trends are, if you want to see how other people are doing it, make friends with people and you, know, you can follow people and comment on their videos. So if you want to get just get your feet wet, if you're unsure, you don't have to post anything right away and just see what other people are doing and get comfortable commenting on other people's um, videos. And then you can start your own. I love that. Jody. this has been so much fun. Thank you so, so much for being on the show. Where can people connect with you? Where can they get your books? So my books are on Amazon. So if you have Kindle Unlimited, you can get it, you can read it for free. And uh, you can find my website, jhdaler.com. And you can find me on TikTok, jhdaleraucer. Awesome. Jody. thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me.
Thanks for listening today. I'm so glad you were here and know there were some valuable nuggets shared to keep going, keep writing, and keep sharing your work. I'm a big believer that if you have a book that's in your heart to write, then there's someone else out there who needs to read it. Your story needs to be shared, so you have to write it and get it out into the world. Until next time, keep swimming upstream while going with the flow and get your book into the world. To learn more about Tough Fish and jump into the pond, visit jennifermilius.com forward slash tough fish.